Hey, everybody. Um, what an absolute pleasure to be following uh, Jack Constantine from Lush, uh, a company that shows you don't have to be a complete dirtbag to be an international success story. Really, really love what those guys are doing. Uh, I'm also pretty thrilled to be uh, in a big room full of people and talking about retail, because there is just nothing more fascinating to me right now. Um, if you think about, gosh, if we go back to the first slide there, I think it's really interesting because if you go back maybe 25 or 30 years, it felt as though the future of retail was all pretty simple. Retail was a pretty straightforward thing. Uh, the future would have looked a little bit like this, I guess. Ooh, that's a good price for 12 pounds of nutmeg. It felt as though stores were just going to get bigger and bigger, and prices would get lower and lower. But then, oh my goodness, along comes digital, and suddenly the future looks like, for a while, it might be a death match between e-commerce and bricks and mortar retail. Now, however, it seems pretty apparent that digital is basically going to be the enabler of retail's next big step into the future. And you know, the signs were there for a while, but you could almost feel the gauntlet being thrown down. Uh, I guess about 18 months ago, when this arrived on the scene. The announcement of the Amazon Go store all the way back in December of 2016 uh, caused great fanfare internationally. And the slick experience that it was promising uh, was announced with this uh, idea of no lines, no checkout, no, seriously. Alas, fully a calendar year after the store had been announced in beta, they had yet to open their doors to the public, and this thing had no launch date either. Now, kind of disappointing, because what they were chasing was this absolutely perfect grab-and-go experience, the idea that you could tap in with your Amazon Go app, pick up all the items that you wanted from the shelf, and then just kind of sail out while all of the goods were automatically tallied and then charged to your Amazon account. Really kind of simple, right? But of course, unbelievably difficult to pull off in real life. Now, I guess halfway through 2017, we had the Wall Street Journal heading up to Seattle to see what was going on. And they reported that the technology functions perfectly only if there are a small number of people in the store or when their movements are slow, which is all really a bit disappointing. But while Amazon Go was kind of stuck in this state of perpetual beta, what happened was that all of the momentum in this space seemed to shift to China, where a number of automated staffless stores were already open and trading with the public. Now, one of the first on the scene was Bingo Box, a 24-7 unmanned convenience store that um, is both incredibly dinky and incredibly portable as well. Let's take a little look at these guys in action.
现陌生人进入。Now I will grant you it's not quite as slick as the vision from Amazon Go, but it kind of made up for that by being, you know, fully operational round about February of 2017, months and months and months ahead of Amazon. Now the founder of BingoBox said he was very happy when Amazon Go was announced because before that everybody said he was stupid. This guy isn't stupid; he is intensely pragmatic,、um, and I'll show you why.、Uh, A single bingo box unit costs about a quarter what it takes to launch a conventional convenience store, but you only need four people to run up to 40 units, which means that they're about 75% cheaper to operate than regular stores. Also, they're fitted with wheels, so if you launch your store and discover that it's getting no trade whatsoever, you can roll that thing somewhere else entirely and see if you get more traffic as a consequence. They're also designed to scale incredibly. Fast.、Um, um, as you can see, like I said, they launched in February of last year. By Q3 of 2017, they had 158 stores up and running right across China. They're hoping to have、uh, 5,000 in operation by the end of this year, and aiming for 100,000 out in the wild by the end of 2020. They've already expanded into Hong Kong, and there has been talk of them launching in Europe as well at some kind of unidentified point in the future. Now. BingoBox is also powered by WeChat,、uh, China's favorite social app. It's incredibly popular. It's got a penetration of 80% amongst the population, and people use it a ton in their daily lives.、Um, 50% of the user base are opening up the app、uh, and spending upwards of 90 minutes doing things within WeChat every single day. So it's kind of gone beyond just being embedded in everyday life. It's just kind of how you get shit done in China now. And the reason that we're paying attention to all of this stuff, this fascination for automation that we're seeing in China right now, is because it feels like it could be us five or so years from now.、Um, there's a number of factors contributing to this kind of perfect storm that's happening around automated retail in China right now. For one thing, mobile payment, as we all know, is huge. Cash is being virtually sidelined, while the total value of China's mobile payments. Tripled across the year 2016 to 5.5 trillion dollars worth of value. Just to give you a comparison, that's about 50, 50 times the value of the mobile payments market in the United States of America, where Goldman Sachs rather memorably described the uptake and adoption of digital wallets as underwhelming to date by nearly every objective standard. Come on, America, buck up! Now. Another thing that kind of helps in China with this automation、uh, thing that's going on right now, and it's kind of counterintuitive, is having an authoritarian government. Because what that means is that they have a policy of real name registration for everybody using a mobile phone and those social platforms. What that has helped to do is establish real trust and credibility around mobile payments as being something that you can rely on, and it's also, of course, made it incredibly easy for retailers to collect all of that incredibly valuable consumer data. Some other contributing factors to this picture in China right now. 
Things like high urban population density, those densely populated cities, smaller household sizes, uh, and also smaller refrigerators, which mean that basically people don't go out every fortnight and do a massive shop for the whole family. Instead, they just nip out to the local store or to a local market when they need to replenish something. Now, meanwhile, outside of the cities, what's happening? Well, the infrastructure is actually still kind of patchy, and so a lot of areas remain underserved by retail. Now, as a result, what we're seeing is that convenience stores have become this interesting growth sector, while all of those big box hypermarket style stores are kind of beginning to uh, decline in popularity. Um, the thing is, as wages and as rental costs go up and up and up, there's a real race on to develop formats that offer retailers the maximum possible efficiency. Now, that's kind of interesting, because when you take human cashiers out of the equation, what that means is the store itself, of course, has to be able to answer these two essential questions. What has the customer picked up? And who is the customer anyway? Who am I going to be charging for this stuff? Now, um, Bingo Box answered those problems with uh, a really well-established technology. They launched kind of straight out of the box using RFID labels to identify all of their products. It's really kind of unsexy as technology goes, but it's tried and trusted and effective. And what that meant was that they were able to get their stores out into the real world, trading with the public, and then it gave them a base to iterate from. And iterate is exactly what these guys are doing. Already they're thinking beyond RFID to artificial intelligence and machine learning, computer vision to help identify objects and people moving around their stores. And we're seeing a whole host uh, of experimentation from competitors of Bingo Box as well. We've got KFC using Alibaba's Smile to Pay technology in their stores in Hangzhou in China. Cali Burger in California are using uh, facial recognition to let people pay for their burgers in the US as well. In South Korea, we've got hand pay technology, which scans the, in, the, the pattern of veins in everybody's hand to identify their unique identity. So of course, what that means is that you can go into a store with no credit card, no mobile phone. As long as you've got your actual hand with you, you'll be able to pay for the goods that you pick up uh, and leave the store with. So really kind of incredible stuff going on there. In the States and all over the place, we've got little startups trying to develop their own uh, automated checkout system. Standard Cognition are doing this. Their competitors at Poly are basically uh, trying to solve the same problem right now. The thing is, reliably identifying people and objects when they're milling around in a store environment is really incredibly hard. It's what held Amazon up for all that time, of course. And that's because the system has to be able to handle absolutely anything uh, from what they call a civilized situation. Ah, oh, D, what happened to you? A civilized situation where people are moving around in a nice kind of orderly, uh, sedate fashion, picking things up, putting them down to an uncivilized situation. This is more your 11 p.m. after the pub scenario, where you're kind of weaving about a bit. Maybe you knock something off the shelf. Your behavior and your movements become less predictable uh, and cause the system problems. Now, when things are civilized, you can get 98% accuracy when it comes to identifying people and objects. But 
When they're uncivilized, oh dear, that drops to 70%, which is highly unsatisfactory if you're trying to run a retail business. As a result, the founder of uh, Polly says that they're trying to get the uncivilized situation fully covered. That just sounds like a basic life philosophy to me. Um, they're right to be getting their skates on with this stuff, though, because right now, everybody and their auntie is looking for a slice of the automation of retail. Um, we've got players like these guys, Auchan, the big French supermarket chain, already very, very well established in China. Um, they're looking to, to get involved, too. They, these guys were early partners of Bingo Box. They helped them to run their supply chain and inventory when they were just launching their first few units. Guess what, though? In October last year, Auchan announced that they were launching their own version, and they're calling it Auchan Minute. Really, really nice name. Brilliant. Love what they did there. But I thought it was kind of a cheek to declare this a world first when it's such a clear uh, homage, shall we, shall we say, to the bingo box model. And it's not just retailers like these guys getting in on the action. FMCG players are getting their toes in the water as well. Oh my goodness. Uh, we saw the Hangzhou Wahaha Group, China's biggest soft drinks manufacturer, announcing a massive contract to roll out one million, a million automated take-go units uh, across China in the next 10 years. We've got the big, heavy-hitting e-commerce players as well. JD.com are such a huge deal in China. They're working on their own automated store format. And what's more, they're working on a suite of technology tools that will help smaller retails to optimize their stores as well and kind of level up into the digital age. Now, there is also, of course, Alibaba. There's always Alibaba. Uh, Jack Ma's e-commerce uh, and data giant launched Tao Cafe at the Taobao Makers Festival last summer. Now, this was a, a kind of automated coffee store format. And immediately, a couple of things kind of stood out about this for me. The first thing was that it actually looks quite nice. They spent some money getting some nice pictures taken, and it looks like a fairly attractive proposition. The second thing, though, was that even when Alibaba is getting involved in the physical world, these guys are all about the data. And that was very explicitly stated by their CMO, Chris Tung, when uh, Tao Cafe launched. He said, it's not about Alibaba wanting to open more cafes. We're not in the restaurant business. It's about digitalizing the footprint of visitors to an offline store. Now, that's really crucial because for years, the shop floor has been a bit of a dark zone when it comes to data, but that could be about to change. Now, Alibaba has absolutely years of experience now uh, in tracking every single user's experience across its ecosystem of platforms. Now, that's information that it consolidates into their single unified ID for each and every customer. It's information that it uses to tailor each and every customer's experience according to their preferences on all of those platforms as well. And of course, that unified ID is also the holy grail of retail in general. But shop floor data has kind of always been the missing link. And Jack Ma here, well, he thinks he knows somebody who can help with that. Would you like to have a guess? It's Jack Ma and Alibaba. Now, the thing is, Rapid growth aside, 
uh, what Jack has noticed is that after all these years, e-commerce still only accounts for about 15% of total retail in China. Alibaba now has its eye firmly on the bigger number, positioning itself as the go-to partner uh, to deliver digital transformation for the 85% of retail in China that still happens in stores. Retailers, though, they're kind of wary about this right now. Um, the question that they're facing is, is it better to kind of wait on the sidelines until all of these little startups have built up enough expertise and experience in this rapidly developing space? Or do we just kind of throw in our fortunes with the big player, with Alibaba, who are there in the background experimenting harder and faster and more impressively than almost anybody else? That's a really hard question. I mean, literally, what would you do? It would be really nice if the slide advanced at this point. Um, is there a way of making that happen, or have we indeed frozen? Anything happening? Yay! So a serious question, and one that the future of many, many businesses actually kind of hangs on right now. Now, in the meantime, while the prevarication on the part of retailers is happening, Alibaba, of course, continues to experiment harder and faster than anyone else. One of my favorite experiments of theirs right now is a chain of cashless supermarkets called Herma. Now, they're really kind of interesting. We're going to watch a video. I'm really sorry about the music. The longer it goes on, the less you're going to like it. But stick with it, guys. Here we go. So Hama has around 25 of these stores currently operating across China. They plan on opening 35 more of them by the end of this year. That's what uh, Alibaba means when it talks about experimentation. They go at this stuff really kind of hard. And these stores, they're fascinating to me. Um, these aren't data dark zones. These are uh, brick and mortar real world extensions of the Alibaba online network. They're not just designed to be functional and efficient. They're designed as experiences. And everything about them is designed to play up the fact that Herma's produce is incredibly fresh and wholesome. And they're not just stores either. These are fulfillment centers. That feels like a term whose time is really coming, actually, fulfillment center. And so they're servicing a, a, a radius of three kilometers around each store where people can uh, use their mobile phones to order their groceries and have them delivered within half an hour. So really, really interesting stuff from these guys. And I think what's 
fascinating about this is that Hema clearly hasn't been conceived as just a point of sale. And that's because that is what the customer is now. The customer is now the point of sale. Give people a smartphone, what you've essentially got right there is free range retail in perpetuity. And working out how to rebuild and reconfigure and reconnect the physical and now digital infrastructure of retail to speak to that reality requires incredible focus. That's why we're seeing so much interesting experimentation happen in these tiny staffless stores where you can control all of the variables and focus on uh, fine-tuning the experience and really getting to understand your customers and their behavior. Now, it also takes a lot of chutzpah cold hard cash uh, and an obsessive streak, which is why I think that people are talking about uh, Amazon's acquisition of the Whole Foods market in the US, basically as a step in exactly the same direction. I guess unlike Alibaba though, Amazon feels like a retail player that's trying to establish retail dominance in that market. And as a result, everyone, every other retailer is absolutely quaking in their shoes about the impact of Amazon on uh, retail in America and further afield as well. Jack Ma's ambitions play a little bit more to his company's obsessive focus on data and its determination to be seen as the key that unlocks the future of retail for all of its partners in China and inevitably at some point beyond as well. Now, the thing about Alibaba also as well is that they have the vision and they have the scale and the speed of execution on their side in this big quest that they're on right now as well. Now, what I think we're seeing in general, the big picture, is the evolution of stores from these big, dumb boxes into much smaller, smarter boxes. It's uh, the shift from the store as a warehouse to the store as a machine, a machine that functions so much better when it's a part of an active, diverse ecosystem, like Herma is in China as well. Now, Earlier, I kind of briefly mentioned that weirdly adversarial relationship that we had between uh, digital retail, e-commerce, and physical retail, bricks and mortar. And I think what's interesting is that we're seeing a new retail binary beginning to emerge in all of the conversation around retail right now. This idea that it's now going to be all about convenience versus experience. And retailers are going to have to pick one thing or they're going to have to pick the other. You either uh, get involved in a kind of convenience arms race or you turn your stores into these non-transactional playgrounds that will delight and amaze and entertain your customers. But you've got to pick a side. For me, I think the future of retail is relentlessly non-binary. And that's because that's how people are. People are incredibly diverse in their needs. People want different things at different times from the same stores. And the future of retail is all about figuring out how you're going to deliver on that for as many of those incredibly diverse, nuanced customers as you possibly, possibly can. And they're going to have to work incredibly hard and fast and smart to achieve that particular goal. That right there is the challenge that these automation experiments that we're seeing in China and elsewhere in retail really are about helping us to solve. And the really exciting thing for all of us, I think, and anyone involved in retail, is that it's only just getting started. So hold on tight, everybody. Thank you very much.